when you're in the room and you're putting these stories together, you, you're thinking about the show. I'm not really thinking about myself as an actor. I'm thinking about the characters and what would make a funny story. And it wasn't until, you know, I was learning my lines the night before we were shooting the scene that I was like, nah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to EW On Set. I'm Patrick Gomez. I'm Shana Naomi Crockmall. This is a companion podcast to the sixth and final season of Schitt's Creek. Every time you say it, it makes me so sad. A little bit, yeah. Um, of course, we are here every Wednesday morning after a new episode airs. Uh, we have our personal feelings and recap of the episode, as well as exclusive on-set interviews with the cast and crew. Mostly we're here for the exclusive on-set interviews with the cast and crew. I don't know about you. I always want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> More gossip also. Yes. We'll hear We'll share as much as we can. Uh, this week, we're talking about episode 607, which is written by David West-Reed and directed by Jordan Canning. And if we have been butchering any of these fine, I assume, Canadian citizens and their names, please know that is on us. On us. We are so sorry. We'll send you um, some herb Erbenger wine. <laughs> um, uh, we are going to be talking about that, of course, uh, as well as everything else in this episode. You'll be hearing from Dan Levy, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Annie Murphy, Emily Hampshire, Noah Reed, and Sarah Levy. So basically, Almost everyone we've talked to for this podcast, yeah. you will hear from. A There's a lot going on in this episode. We were just saying this is probably our favorite episode of the season I, so far. I love this episode so much. So much is going on. You got Alexis getting all the girls to join a what turns out to be a fitness cult. As Elevation's official regional brand ambassador and regional marketing invigorator, I need to ask you guys. Are you ready for a total physical and emotional transformation? Moira and David get drunk at the winery, Herb Ertlinger's winery. And, herb, um, herb. Herb, herb. <laughs> the more times they said it, the less sure I was how to actually Oh, say yeah. It. Even right now, I'm like looking at how it's written. And I'm like, oh, it's God. Like, it seems like an extra T is in there. <laughs> herb Ertlinger. It turns out Herbert Linger, the great fruit vintner is a rabid fan of the Crows movie. Good luck finding someone who isn't. And then also Johnny and Patrick have such an incredibly sweet conversation. Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, great combinations, uh, you and Dave. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow, did we get another hit? That's the other team, unfortunately. Oh. Being the straight man in a comedy is uh, a thankless job. This is, I think, the best work Eugene has done on this entire show with those scenes with Patrick, because um, it is all at once touching and hilarious. Like, that's the funniest he's gotten to be on the show, it's how awkward so, oh, he it's is. so awkward. I mean, it's awkward from the beginning when Roland suggests that he have this conversation, and, like, Roland's setup for it is very funny, and you get a little slice of actually, like, kind of endearing backstory of him and Jocelyn. I remember when Jocelyn's dad gave me the talk. I mean, he was trying to talk me out of getting married, but... She was nine months pregnant at the time, so he really didn't have a leg to stand on. But I'll tell you, I could not get out of that sauna fast enough. Johnny's like, oh, right, I should have this conversation with my future son-in-law about making sure he treats my son right. But it just could not be more difficult for him to kind of get into the conversation. Just sort of seemed like you wanted to talk about David for a second. Felt like that's where you were going. No, I... Sure, yeah, I can talk about David. We spoke to both Eugene and Noah Reed about this kind of like touching series of awkward and then really endearing scenes. We get to see you have this talk with Patrick. What was it like to film that with Noah? Because we don't really get to see a lot of the two of you. Well, it was one of the few scenes we actually have together. And it was um, it was kind of a fun scene for me because, you know, he's kind of watching a ball game. And I'm trying to uh, do the father-son-in-law talk uh, while we're watching the game. So 
you know, there's kind of a lot going on. Johnny feigning interest in the actual game and uh, and then still trying to get his point across about his son and Patrick, and yet Patrick's not really picking up on it, and he doesn't want to push too hard. But uh, the second scene that we do, where we actually get together and uh, and talk about it, is um, has a lot of heart to it. He you know, tells me how much uh, David means to him and how he's going to look after him. And like any really like uh, going into any kind of future in-law and and hearing how much they care about your son or daughter uh, as a dad, that's that gets you right by the heart and grips you. So that was that was a uh, very tender uh, nice scene that I had with uh, Patrick, and I'm glad we had that. Was that there anything scene. you drew on from either conversations you've had with your own in-laws or with people who were dating your children? Was there like a moment in there where you were like, "This is what really makes this feel real"? That kind of mix of wanting to be kind but maybe scare people a little bit, or like, <laughs> how did you find that? Well, it hasn't really crept into real life uh, yet because we're we're not quite there y- yet having that you know that future in-law uh talk do you feel more prepared for it now um i i i i think uh the show sometimes helps you in real life uh which is kind of an interesting concept too about your character and what your character does for you and what you do for your character but um I think I'd be more prepared when that moment actually comes, just having all the blueprints kind of laid out by the writers. So I don't really have to do too much thinking about it. But uh, these are the kind of moments that, that you know, provide a, a really nice emotional underbelly to the show, to all the comedy that, that goes on. These are the moments that strike a chord, I think, in a big way with the audience. And of course, we also spoke to Noah Reed about uh, this uh, series of scenes. Um, you're going to hear it's really loud. This was done like on the fly. Uh, it's the same day that we sh- they shot the scene in the suit shop yes. from 604. And we were like in this tiny, narrow little hallway. And it was raining. It was raining. And we were like, really wait, hard. we forgot to ask you something really important. And here's what Noah had to say while standing in the midst of a production. We didn't talk about the scene where um, Johnny sits you down and gives you the talk. Oh, the talk. Oh, yeah. How did that feel from your end? Um, well, I get very few opportunities to, to have a, a one-on-one with Eugene. And it just felt very, very sweet. Like, I was really sort of moved and overwhelmed by his his fatherly gaze, you know? I, I, I don't know. Like, I, that was a... That felt like a really nice day because we just basically, we had maybe two, but maybe three scenes and we just sort of did them in sequence and, and you know, it was a great day for me because I was just sort of lying in bed in, in sweatpants, essentially. <laughs> I always like those scenes because it feels very leisurely. But then there's a sort of a, a moment where he's trying to initiate the talk and, and it's sort of struggling to do it and Patrick sort of like, you know, takes it upon himself to actually initiate the talk and, 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 you know, try to put his, put his mind at ease. And, uh, I don't know, it's just a very sweet, very sweet, heartfelt scene. At one point, you know, Eugene was just so, so present and so beautiful in that scene. And I think I just sort of like out of, it wasn't scripted. I just sort of felt it. And I just said to him, you're a great dad. And, you know, it's just like, it, it, it just felt like a really, 
I don't know, it felt really, really honest and very heartfelt. And it was a, it was a lovely day. It was a really lovely day. So, of course, Twyla is not in these scenes, um, but we actually spoke to Sarah Levy uh, because she happened to be on set that day and got to watch this moment. And she also reflects and kind of shares with us a little bit about how similar Johnny and uh, her dad actually are. I was on set that day watching it, and it almost brought tears to my eyes because I, I mean, I love my dad so much, and I know that those awkward moments that he has in that scene are so him trying to come up with things to say to people when he's in when he's really in that situation and this sweetness of him just trying so hard to find a common ground and bond and and Patrick in that scene isn't giving him that much off the top and Watching him try, it was just like it broke my heart because he's such a such a good guy. My dad, he's such a good person. It was so sweet. I loved that scene. They they have such a wonderful relationship on screen and off screen, but on screen it's such a such a cute. It kind of reminds me of like him with my my actual boyfriend, where they just like you know talking about baseball and. Baseball players, because, like, guys talk sports. Talking about the Raptors. Just, yeah, exactly. If David is, like, a 13 and Dan is, like, a 3, what about your dad and Johnny Rose? Oh, par. <laughs> just even basically the same par. person. Yeah, it's like the Johnny Rose is one of the characters that my dad has played that's probably probably the closest to who he is, minus, like, wearing suits every day but he looks good in them. he he looks great in them and dad will always like a crisp white shirt and a blazer and jeans is his uniform so he's always so it's not that far off. done yeah no it's not that far off at all put together always what's always. the most dad like thing that johnny has done oh my gosh oh god there are so many Honestly, just the way he interacts with his kids on the show is so similar to our interaction as him being our dad to the point where even I think it was last Christmas, Daniel and I were watching a movie and dad decided to go to bed. And so it was the exact, okay, kids, uh, I'm gonna. And in the middle of a sentence, Daniel's like, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. And dad didn't want to watch a movie because it was Notting Hill and it wasn't a Christmas movie. And so he went to bed. But like those little tiny interactions are all everything that we've grown up with. Of all the callbacks to previous episodes that we're getting in this final season, getting to return to the scene of the crime, the winery, (laughs) the Herb Erlinger um, disaster of a wine commercial shoot that could not have gone more wrong. I cannot. I mean, I I blame I blame Herb. Herb Herb. I blame Herb Herb. Herb. Like, why would you ever go back down this road? I mean, they make good use of that joke in the episode. Speaking of Herbert, is it Herbert? Or Herbert, like when people say herb or herb. You know, he too is inspired by the croning and wants to create a signature Moira Rose. Um, and Moira, of course, uh, extracts David from the baseball watching in a very badly rehearsed um, exit scene. Well, this seems like a very important moment in your life. I only wish I could be there. 
I can't go alone. <sighs> well, unfortunately, I told my fiance I'd watch the game with Just him today. Go, okay. I love that David like throws her right. That was you. You guys might want to rehearse a little more next time. The extraction did feel a bit strained. That was you. They go wine tasting. All of the wines are disgusting. They get absolutely wasted. Uh, okay, you know what? I'm making a blend. Yes, make us a nice Marlowe or a Moira Rosling. Mm. We've spoken to both Catherine and to Dan about both the, the challenges and the fun in playing drunk. When we interviewed Dan, he unequivocally ranked you as the best drunk actor, <laughs> drunk acting actor on Schitt's Creek. Drunk you should acting know. actor. Drunk thanks. acting actor. Sorry, not acting while drunk, acting drunk. Maybe we don't know. I, I, you know, he no. also told us about drinking some champagne when he did the lip syncing. So oh, he did. He oh, and, did. Beer, and beer when he did the, the, the keg, keg stand. stand. Yeah. And I know there's a scene where you two get drunk yeah. at the winery. Yeah. What do you think is the key to playing a good drunk? And did you give Dan any tips? No, I didn't give Dan any tips. We talked about kind of where we'd be at drunk wise at the end because we'd already shot a scene inside interior that happens later and we were basically hung over and tired. We weren't still drunk, you know, or just like I'm I'm trying to take a painkiller and he's lying in bed. So <laughs> so but we're not drunk. But we had to be really quite drunk in this scene. So we talked about our level of drunk. Uh, but then I think one one good tip I think for playing drunk is believe that no one else thinks you're drunk, that you're pulling it off. I, I can't do it right now, but I love women getting up from their table in a bar and walking to the to the bathroom and thinking they're pulling it off and thinking no one knows they're drunk. It's that concentration that really helps. <laughs> That's also, a good tip. I remember hearing about a drunk person that was sitting next to someone and they would swing their head when they want to turn, instead of just turning to the person and talk, the head would do a full like 180 swing <laughs> and then kind of move back and forth as their eyes focused <laughs> and they're trying so hard <laughs> on the face yeah oh my god believe you're pulling it off that no one knows you're drunk that's, that's good that's advice. how i go through life <laughs> <laughs> like good advice for acting good advice for well, thinking you're yeah, there you go. being drunk either way but it's the same with crying in a scene the harder you try to cry uh, the harder it is to cry but but uh i have to find it just works for me no one else i don't know what I, anyone's trick is some people can really do it easily but i'll more often try not to cry, which will help me cry. You told us when we sat down to talk about all the other episodes mm -hmm. that Catherine O'Hara was the best at playing drunk. Mm -hmm. um, and you get to have an amazing scene, mm -hmm. scenes of mm -hmm. getting drunk with her. How did you approach that? Did you feel pressure? It was instant regret. <laughs> <laughs> On what level? Well, you, because you, when you're when you're in the room and you're putting these stories together, you, you're thinking about the show. I'm not really thinking about myself as an actor. Um, I'm thinking about the characters and what would make a funny story. And uh, that felt like a very funny place. A, because we get to see Herbert Linger's winery again, which I, I <laughs> Everyone get, wanted thought would to be see. a great sort of callback. And Moira having another opportunity and then ending up getting drunk and blowing the second <laughs> opportunity was something that I thought was very funny. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, I was learning my lines the night before we were shooting the scene that I was like, ah, f what have I, I done? Know, I don't know you, how I'm going to do done this. this. You've done this to yourself multiple times yeah. now. We discussed on our binge podcast how you, you were like, wait, I have to it's dance It's because now. I genuinely separate myself when I'm writing. I don't think about myself as the character. I'm just thinking about the character. And then when it, when I actually have to physically sort of insert myself into that character, I have to reread all the stuff that we had written through a different lens. And that's where I... You never take off that hat in between. <laughs> regret 
uh, some of the situations I put myself in, but uh, I think it played quite well. I really just took her lead. And when someone is that drunk, I mean, believably drunk, it, it in a way makes the experience feel a little more authentic. Uh, so I'd like to think that I just like tried my best to emulate what she was doing. We'll be right back with more EW on set. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. <laughs> We're staring at each other thinking how to introduce this last segment and we can't stop laughing because elevate. I Finally, mean. we get to elevate. Twyla, where are we going? Up. And what are we leaving behind? Everything. Demons leave it all behind you as we ascend to the gateway. It's not the first multi-level marketing scheme we've seen on this show because we had the Olivu <laughs> skincare, um, which was outstanding. And this one, I love that Alexis has been involved somehow in this organization without asking almost any of the important questions. Does anybody even know what the gateway is? I'm, I think it's pretty obvious. Although if it would make you feel better, I can totally, like, clarify some of the language with citrus. I love how unexpected this storyline is, actually, yeah. because in any other show, someone else would have been the character to figure out that it was a cult. The the Twyla reveal um, yes. would have been done differently. Um, I was really impressed that Alexis is the one that actually does figure it out, because yeah. I would have thought it would have been, like, Stevie, who does think it's I mean, weird. Everyone sort of contributes. What do you think it is? Um, I think it's a cult. And, like, not the good kind. Not like when you go to India to follow a long-haired, sexy man around for a couple of months and then come home with a banging yoga bot. We actually interviewed Emily Hampshire and Sarah Levy uh, about this in addition to Annie, uh, of course. Uh, so let's start off with what Annie Murphy had to say. Why is Alexis susceptible to this cult? <laughs> well, I think poor sweet Alexis has been susceptible to many cults. She's just, you know, as Us Weekly voted Alexis. She is up for anything. So, she, you know, and she is a thirsty little thing for her business. Will do anything for business, is kind of on a roll. Um, and though she's been through the most bizarre uh, adventures and escapades, the sweet thing is still naive and will always be. And um, so that's why when they were asked to put on basically potato sacks, and uh, were coached to climb to a higher plane by a man named Citrus. Uh, it didn't seem weird at first, but then she is growing in the sense that she did kind of come to the conclusion that yes, in fact, this was a cult. I like that out of that group of people also, Stevie is skeptical from the beginning. Yeah, and Twyla seems like she's just going along with it, but it turns out has known the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Twyla's been probably a member of that cult, or her mom has been for years. Very familiar. Yeah. It's, it's old hat. Which is better, Elevate or Olivu? Um, I've always been an Olivu fan. 
seeing Daniel's face that orange uh, is is a treat. Is something I will never forget. So I I I do have a soft spot for Ali Vu, but Elevate, you know. Oh, and we all walked away. So the the weird because uh, it's not a spin class; it's like a stepping class. It's like a stairmaster. It's kind of a like stairmaster, a, climb, a stair climber. Yeah. So production bought like twenty five of these really cheap, shitty like. Climbing like things. Going out of business. Sale. Yeah, exactly. And then when we wrapped, they had twenty-five of these stairmaster things, and I was like, "May I please have a stairmaster?" I had this big, grand image of myself getting into insane shape from this stairmaster, and I brought, I lugged it up the stairs at my house and set it up in front of the TV, and I used it for about 16 seconds one time and then uh it sat um collecting laundry I I hung many things from it many things dried on it and then it went out to the curb so that's that in case you were wondering that uh, that's what happened with that the worst thing I stole from Sat story (laughs) (laughs) not the story is great but But the thing you stole well and Dan took one too which he claims he used all the time which I kind of I, I don't I don't believe him uh, in the least, but he claims he would religiously use it when he went home. He'd watch like Downton Abbey and and work the hell out. But wow, hmm. Downton Abbey also very different vibe than Elevate. Uh, yes, yeah, two very separate things, <laughs> very different. So, talk to us about getting to kind of be part of an exercise cult class. Um, first of all, I did think when we heard about this episode that Dan was trying to punish me. Um, to do exercise all day. Um, But I mean, it was amazing because first of all, I'm obsessed with cults. I have seen every cult, anything. Actually today I posted on my Instagram about this alien uh, uh, reptile cult that this woman just got arrested in. Also when that Nexium cult came out, I had three messages from friends of mine asking me if I was in it. I wasn't. And then one person asked me if I started it. I didn't. But I'm obsessed with it. Um, so anyways, when we were when I found it, it was a cult and we were all wearing these. It was so funny and so fun. And the guy who played the cult leader was so good. He was so funny. And also, I don't know, he made some actor's choice of singling me out. And he'd be like, yeah, good job, Stevie. <laughs> and uh, as listeners, you can't tell that I'm giving you the evil eye. Like he would just, and I'd look around, nobody else would notice. So it was terrifying. Um, and that wasn't in the script. That was like a choice he made. But that was so fun. I had so much fun doing that episode. Talk to us about this workout scene. Oh my gosh, that was so funny. It was a full day of stepping. <laughs> and Twyla being the the positive energy that she is, is like gung ho. Like she's like really doing it. At least Emily had a little bit of an easier time. She didn't care, but it was like a full day of stepping on these weird step machines. God, that was a funny episode. And it's, it ends up being this cult that nobody knows about, but I know about because I've gone to it before with my mother. Of course. But I'm, I don't, I'm just there for support, even though she doesn't know. I'm like, I just, 
I thought that this is what you wanted to do. And I like bought all this paraphernalia, like just to support Alexis in this new journey for her. But it was so much fun because it was all of us girls and we rarely get scenes with just us girls Emily included, uh, because normally it's like Jocelyn and Twyla doing fun things at a casino or something, but with Alexis and Emily and such a funny storyline of like Alexis having no idea what she's getting herself into. And she was like, wait, you mean like you don't actually mean (laughs) what you mean, right? And he's like, no, no, but yes. <laughs> Wait, also, I feel like going back to whatever was that earlier episode where they're in Mutt's barn, is Twyla a yoga instructor? Oh, yeah, in like season one. Right, yeah. briefly. Also, yeah. a yoga instructor. Oh, yeah. So, that's, who knows where that went? Her class I mean, didn't, didn't make it, I guess. It was so crowded. It was so, so crowded. There were so many people there. And that was <laughs> one of the hardest things I've ever had to learn in my life, those scenes, because we shot them all back to back. And it was instructions on where to place hands and feet. And oh my gosh, I had the hardest time learning all of that because it was so hard and then, yeah, doing it for the whole day, I was like, Liz, can we just end this day? It so is... your next gig is actually playing a surgeon. That's it, and, right? And like, just <laughs> oh my gosh. all jargon. That, that's my, my dream and my nightmare all at once. That's uh, 607. I love this episode so much. Truly one of my favorites so far. It's so, so great. So we've come now, Shayna, to the part of the podcast uh, where we share our favorite moments. Uh, it's my favorite Favorite time. Favorite, than, favorite moments. My favorite, favorite moments. Um, we're going to kick things off with the Rose Family Celebrity Name Drop of the Week. Even lighter this week than yeah. last week. Unless we missed it, I think between the two of us, we really only caught one solid name drop. Yeah. At least the print ad worked out. Pretty hard to mess up one of those. Clearly you haven't seen the heartburn ads she shot with Ann Geddes. They keep dropping all these former career moments of Moira's that I, yeah. I want to to see and I, I need that whole catalog. So let's move on to our favorite uh, Moira Rose dialogue from this episode. Okay. I think ours are maybe from similar scenes. I, in the midst of that wine tasting also, I love when Moira says, You and Patrick are two good grapes. Mm, different notes, different tannins, but together you've managed to make one perfect blend. Which is a really uncharacteristically sweet Moira line, um, which of course is like undercut by when this is like a two-parter. Johnny and Patrick show up to claim their um, hot mess roses. Moira greets them by yelling, yelling, like slurring, (gasps) undesignated graves. It's such a great line. Um, My favorite Moira line, which is really just a Moira-ism um, in that she uses the term marital sagacity. Synonym similar to wisdom, intelligence, understanding. So I, I get the gist now, but thank you for educating me, Schitt's Creek. All right, let's talk about the most heartwarming moment that made us cry, moment that made us laugh. I'm already laughing. Okay, about then mine. we'll start with laugh. What's your what's your biggest laugh line of the week? I mean, the the them wine tasting, just the faces they're making. Oh, I had my reservations about banana. Um, that's the strawberry peach. Oh, dear, it tastes like a moxicillin. I don't know if it was intentional or not, um, but this entirely uh, was reminiscent of an Abfab, an absolutely fabulous episode um, in which uh, they go wine tasting and mm-hmm. they're looking to buy a wine and they get so drunk tasting all of them that they can't remember. Um, so look it up, uh, Abfab wine tasting. My favorite, favorite moment is when Moira's taking the sip of wine 
and she kind of just like like her her mouth like goes to the side and she kind of just like starts falling forward. Oh my god, hilarious. What about yours? Funniest <sighs> moment. Funniest moment. Yeah, the one the faces, David's face every time he tasted one and kind of like bared his teeth. My David has put together a delicious blend right here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No, that's not the one we picked. Also banana wine should not exist. No. No. Okay, most heartfelt moment. I mean, I think hands down like Johnny and Patrick having the talk. Because I I hope it goes without saying that as lucky as I feel to have met David, I also feel incredibly lucky to be joining your family. We've often seen this like family unit as being obviously about Moira and Johnny and David and Alexis. And this doesn't in any way replace that, but this is like a really beautiful moment where you see like here are people who are not dissimilar from each other, who have like such fondness and love for the same people in this family. Well, similar to the scenes we've seen with Stevie and Johnny where yeah. she's like this, yeah. you're like my father figure. Yeah. Um, so that that was the scene that just like really, really got me. I mean, of course, I agree that that scene was very, very touching. Um, but for me, it ha- it goes back to the, I've mentioned it a few times uh, over the season, of Moira's evolution as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing her give that speech uh, to her son. Then grant me this precious moment before there's a ring on your finger to say chin chin to you and your husband to be. This feels remarkably selfless. And acknowledging how much he's grown and that she's actually noticed. I mean, you know, I always think back to that lunch date with where yeah. she had to create notes to figure out like what to say to Alexis. What to say to Alexis. Yeah. And here she is now, like, having these meaningful conversations over the last couple episodes with both of her children. I've absolutely no doubt that your relationship with Patrick is going to get even better with age. And this all on top of their hilarious wine drinking and they're wasted. I love it. I love it. I love Schitt's Creek. Thank you for listening. Uh, We, of course, will be back here next week um, after Tuesday night's episode with more exclusive on-set interviews uh, and insight into the sixth and final season of Schitt's Creek. Kind of getting down. We're like halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, But if you want to talk about it, you can find us on social media. Um, I'm at Patrick Gomez LA. I'm at Shana Naomi. Uh, Please be sure to subscribe, rate, leave us a review, tell your friends to listen to this podcast. Uh, And join us next week. This has been EW On Set. (laughs) 